Hello, everyone. It's Radio Matt. Normally, Mo and I record our morning shows for the next week on the Friday night before in one big block. Occasionally, that means we are behind on big world news that happens over the weekend. Initially, we had planned to record a State of the Union-focused week where we took a look at our nation and world on how different things are playing out. By the middle of last Wednesday, we had written out our show prep to focus for each day on a different topic. The Tuesday show was meant to focus on Russian President Putin's threatening posturing toward Ukraine, and if we thought he was actually going to make a move. By Wednesday evening, it was confirmed that he indeed would. We decided to scrap our shows and the recording that we had planned, and instead we are recording a single episode as late on Sunday as we can to air on Monday morning. Mo unfortunately could not join in due to prior commitments, but some members of our Discord will be joining in for a discussion a little later in the episode. Today's show will be a bit more serious and have a somber tone. No games, no weird news, no frivolity. This is an important topic that we couldn't just gloss over. This will be our only new show this week. So let's get into it with some of the basics. Are you ready? It's time to wake up. everybody. You are tuned in to episode 448 of the Back Row Morning Show, proudly a part of the Love Thy Nerd podcast network. I'm Radio Matt, the station manager and chief radio nerd here at LTN. I'm a third generation radio dude and a lifelong nerd. Today on the show, we are going to be having a bit of a different show. We're going to be focusing pretty much exclusively on the conflict between Russia and Ukraine going on uh, as we speak and what that means for the future, for the rest of the world, it's uh, it's going to be, uh, I won't say lighthearted discussion, but it's going to be kind of a free form discussion in that we're, we don't have everything <clears throat> written down or planned out as to what we're going to be talking about, how we're going to be talking about it. I don't even know the opinions of uh, some of the people that are going to be joining in uh, as to, uh, you know, where everything stands and, and uh what we would support doing and not doing. So it's going to be an interesting discussion. And these, these folks are going to be joining me a bit later. I think we have three or four people that are planning to join us from the discord, uh, here in not too long. As for this first segment, I'm just going to open it up and kind of give you a, a bit of a recap as it stands right now on, uh, on Wednesday evening, our friend in the discord, Lark, uh, saw what we were planning to talk about. And, uh, informed me that uh, Russia had begun attacking Ukraine. Prior to this, Putin had spent the last several weeks moving troops and uh, weaponry to the border of Ukraine, all the while promising the world that uh, nothing was happening, that he wasn't planning an invasion, nothing was going to be happening, and uh, we should all just not worry. This was routine exercises. This was a response to a threat, all kinds of things that um, were just excuses. <clears throat> he then told the world that uh, he was starting to withdraw troops from the border. Like he said this openly as if we weren't going to be able to tell that, no, he was still continuing to put more people on the border. He, he's deliberately lying. And following that, he went on state TV and declared two sections of Ukraine as 
independent, recognizing them as independent, but not from Russia, independent from Ukraine, meaning that they aligned with Russia. And therefore, because he recognized these two areas as aligned with Russia, whether or not they actually were, I think is still up for debate, he was justifying the ability to send in troops to those areas for quote-unquote peacekeeping purposes. And, uh, well, come Wednesday night, the shoe fell, and what everybody was afraid was going to happen happened, and Russia started attacking Ukraine uh, from many different areas in several different cities. And as it stands right now, this is, this is still going on. Uh, I have been glued to CCTV cameras in uh, Kiev and, and uh, many other cities. Um, I have heard the, the air raid sirens. I have heard fighting off in the distance, um, <clears throat> seen shells and, and uh, guns being traded back and forth. Uh, you know, fire, I mean gunfire. <clears throat> it's been... Uh, also, do, do forgive me. I'm still dealing with this cold. I cannot get over it. I'm going to try to to mute my coughs as much as possible, but I'm sure they're going to get through because they've become normal for me now that I don't even think about it. Um, but it's it's. Uh, I've been following the the Ukraine subreddits, a uh, Ukraine coverage based Discord. Like I've I've been having this stuff on pretty much anytime I'm awake. Uh, there's some camera, there's some something going on uh, that I can just see with my own eyes. And while, you know, most of this stuff is not going to be on these CCT cameras, most of the stuff is happening outside of the cities. Some of this stuff uh, obviously has happened uh, within city limits. Of course, you uh, have likely heard that the Russians had captured the Chernobyl site. Uh, they have captured small little areas, small little pockets. But the... Uh, the main thing that they were hoping to have conquered and already put in kind of a puppet government in would be Kiev, the, the capital of Ukraine, uh, or at least where the government is. And uh, they have not been able to penetrate Ukraine's forces. Luckily, <clears throat> we have seen many countries, including our own, send weapons and send aid, um, not necessarily soldiers, but uh, weapons. Some have been sending um, lately over this the last just the last day, I believe. Uh, a couple countries have actually agreed to send planes, like you know, actual vehicles to use. It has been a uh, harrowing thing to watch the news coverage and the photos coming out <clears throat> with uh, the Ukrainian president, which Ukrainian President Zelensky is is doing a phenomenal job. Uh, <laughs> actually remaining uh, in his country, remaining in his capital uh, alongside most of his cabinet or all of his cabinet, uh, a good portion of them, all uh, promising that they will remain in Ukraine uh, as long as there are people fighting. They will be there as well. I don't know how much uh, fighting he's actually doing. There has been photos going around the internet of him dressed in fatigues, but those are actually from uh, something that some like presidential thing he was doing several months ago. That's those aren't current photos, but um, he, he is not leaving. 
uh, Biden had uh, offered to like send a team in to extract him and get him out of the country. He said no. And so uh, I think the the guts that this guy has is amazing. It's it's inspiring. And I don't think that uh, Russia, or Putin at least, understood just how ready and willing Ukrainians would be to protect their country. You've seen photos of a bunch of people just straight up volunteering to be a part of the Ukrainian army. I've seen so many photos of like grandmas and grandpas dressed in a, a vest, a helmet, and a gun, which is just absolutely inspiring, terrifying at the same time, but it's uh, it's a big deal. They're, they're, they're doing all that they can, and so far it appears to be working. As for how long that will occur, I don't know. Uh, I don't believe Russia was as prepared as they thought they were. <laughs> There's also been reports that a lot of the stuff that they're using is uh, old, really old uh, tanks, really old weapons uh, that might not be as effective. But um, I don't know if that is isolated incidents, isolated areas, or if that's the whole of the government. A lot of the stuff is is kind of speculation mixed with word of mouth, mixed with uh, just pure rumor. <clears throat> of course, we've seen a lot of uh, videos and photos that have been uh, either faked or mistook for one thing. Uh, like there, there was a photo of like wave and wave and wave of plane, you know, like fighter jets coming in, like a video of this. And uh, this was actually from like an air show that happened just outside of Moscow, you know, two years ago. Like it's not, uh, there was a a piece of footage of like anti anti-missile defense systems or whatever trying to take down a plane uh ukraine anti-defense whatever <sighs> footage of that stuff that <laughs> tries to take down everything that's in the sky and this is actually from a video game it was not from like it was very realistic looking but it's not from the news but this kind of stuff has snuck past you know the internet and been put on the news so it gives it credibility even though it's not real and it's really hard to parse all that stuff out, though people are out there trying to do it for sure. I've also seen quite a few YouTube channels trying to capitalize on this by uh, claiming to be hosting CCTV uh, footage from around Ukraine. And uh, some of those are actually just playing videos of past footage and monetizing these videos. So you'll get an ad every 30 minutes and uh, an ad to start it up, and that's just sleazy behavior right there. <sighs> so more and more of those are coming out. So the, the, the internet at large is making it difficult to find out exactly what's happening. And so we are relying on what little bit of news we can get out of reliable news sources. The most recent update that I have found is from a couple hours before this recording. And again, we're recording this. Uh, it's about Saturday afternoon where I am, uh, Saturday evening in uh, most of America. And uh, the the latest report that I have is as that uh, right now, which is it's 
uh, middle of the night in Ukraine is that Kyiv is, in fact, surrounded by Russian troops, but the Ukrainians are continuing uh, to fight them off as they have uh, every night for the last several nights. I think the first night was the only night that they weren't actually attacking the capital yet, but every night since then they have tried to to uh, get in, and uh, so far Ukrainians have been able to hold them at bay. But right now it looks like they, uh, Putin is trying to push, put all the pressure on that capital city, because once that capital city is taken, if it is taken, that's going to be a major morale boost for the Russian soldiers and a morale killer for Ukrainian soldiers. Bottom line, it is a, a terrifying thing to watch. And that is just from half of a week. A lot of questions still up in the air about... How long can the Ukrainians hold out? Can they hold out longer than Russia can? What does Putin do if his plans on the ground and in the air are failing? What move does he take next? Does he give up and walk away? Or does he escalate things even further by introducing nuclear weapons into the, into the matter? And if that happens, what happens with the rest of the world? This is, this is a scary, scary moment in our history. There have been, in my lifetime, plenty of these kind of scary moments. And plenty of rumors of World War III starting. But this is the only one that I can remember in my lifetime that actually involves another superpower. A nuclear threat with any real backing behind it. North Korea says that they are, and they're always there, but, you know, we've never really taken them seriously, and that might be a mistake in the future. Who knows? But for now, everything that I can recall has been groups within other countries, like the Taliban, Al-Qaeda. You know, these, these have been... Uh, ideologies and groups, but not actual countries, not the actual government, any kind of real superpower that can do major damage and ignite a world war. This is the first time that I can recall this happening in my life. And so comparing this to like 9-11, which was terrifying to wake up to, In the few days after 9-11, while we were all scared, I don't think we ever really thought World War III is actually going to happen, because we had nobody to actually fight. It wasn't another country. It was a group of terrorists. But the threat of World War III happening because Putin might take things too far and trigger a NATO response. That's some terrifying stuff to think about. And I fear we're a lot closer to that than we want to believe. Every other one of these countries around Ukraine, I believe every one of them, or at least most of them, are a part of the NATO treaty. Two more countries join NATO just this, in these last few days, 
And if one of those countries is attacked, the agreement, Article 5 of NATO, requires that every NATO country actually act to help protect that country. That would pull in America. That would pull in the UK. If nuclear weapons are introduced into this, that would also qualify. And it's even been suggested that even some uh, cyber attacks out of Russia attacking any of these NATO countries could be enough to trigger Article 5. If Article 5 is triggered against Russia, that's World War III. That's where it starts. There will be no end until there is a definite end. And so you got to believe that all, all of the NATO countries are going to do everything they can to avoid that. But how long could they? How much could we withstand? How much should we withstand? I have a big fear that those are going to be questions we're going to have to answer soon. But for now, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to be joined by a few voices from our Discord, and we're going to hear some of their thoughts. Stick around. Hi, I'm Mark from The Thoughtful Gamer, and this is Reviews of the Nerds. Today I'll be reviewing the board game The Search for Planet X. Deduction is rigid, which makes it difficult to incorporate into board games which thrive best in the rivers of uncertainty and doubt. If a deduction problem can be solved, it can be solved absolutely, at which point it simply becomes a matter of figuring out what the solution is. The Search for Planet X by Ben Rossett and Matthew O'Malley might be just about as good of a deduction game as can be made. It understands the limitations of the genre and does its best to mitigate them as much as possible. Where great deduction games like Planet X or the Shipwreck Arcana succeed is in the non-certain elements. Planet X creates those fuzzy edges on the periphery of the central deduction puzzle in a couple of ways. First, it challenges you to ask the right questions. Everyone is searching for the slippery planet X, which must live on one of the 18 segments of the sky. Four other bodies live in the sky, each following their own rules. You've got three tools for discovering where everything is located. You can target an area and simply learn what's there. You can survey a wedge of the sky, searching for one type of stellar body and learning how many exist in said wedge. Or you can research and learn a new rule, like no asteroids appear within two spaces of a gas cloud. These are your tools and you must use them wisely to discover knowledge as quickly as possible. The second way Planet X pushes beyond cut and dry deduction is by allowing you to know the questions your opponents are asking. On more than one occasion I've been baffled at the survey Amber just initiated given what I thought I knew about what she knew and had to return to my notes to try to squeeze knowledge from this information. The Search for Planet X is a superior deduction game that presents a satisfying puzzle. When I solved for Planet X in my first game, I jumped up from my chair in excitement. My question is, can deduction games improve on the search for Planet X without becoming something else entirely? Thanks for listening. Again, I'm Mark from The Thoughtful Gamer, and if you want to see more board game reviews, go to thethoughtfulgamer.com.
Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show. And uh, we are about to enter into a discussion with some of our friends here on the Discord. All right. So, uh, like I said, we have a few people in uh, in our Discord chat today who are going to share their thoughts. And uh, in this first segment, I've asked them to to kind of share what they thought when they first heard that uh, Russia had invaded, uh, which was late Wednesday night, I believe. And then kind of share their thoughts now, having, having been uh, a few days and seeing where things are at now and, and uh, what what we've been seeing in the news and online. Uh, and that's really the only direction I'm giving them. I'm just going to give them the floor. And first up, uh, we've got Brother Maud. How are you doing, Brother Maud? Doing well. Thank you, sir. Well, good. Well, what, let's uh, let's hear your your initial thoughts and your current thoughts. Just uh, what, what, th- what went through your mind when you found out the news uh, about what was going on over in Ukraine? Yeah, sure. Um, I think uh, probably the very first thought I had um, was just that stomach sinking sensation of uh, what seemed like an inevitability uh, and a tragic one finally happening and coming to pass. Yeah. Um, and that quickly, uh, turned into me being upset and frustrated. Um, and that turned then quickly into, uh, I would say my knee jerk reaction, um, after I initially processed it was a desire, uh, a very interventionist response. Mm. Um, and the first thought I had was that I wanted America and the rest of NATO to drop down upon that border with such unrelenting and stunning fury (laughs) that all the world would just stop in its tracks and be like, Oh, Oh, we, we crossed. Okay. There are clear lines that no one should cross because of how powerfully this group responded. Right. Um, and in the days since, um, my reaction of course has softened. Um, I think that that initial interventionist response, um, at its core, uh, is actually just a cry for justice. Mm. Um, and partly a lament, um, that we're powerless to help, uh, many times and in many ways, uh, both in our personal lives and to a greater and greater degree degree as the scope broadens and the scale increases, um, especially out to, to the global scale we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, and the complicated nature of it all also comes to light as you read more about the history and, uh, Ukraine's denuclearization and, how uncomfortable Russia would understandably be uh, for Ukraine to be brought into NATO and to have what I'm sure Russia is 
he easily thinks of as hostile troops uh, right across the border and yeah. without that neutral territory as a buffer. I'm sure that makes them very uncomfortable and raises tensions. And it's been this dance for years. Um, and in the midst of it, there's, you know, it's full of broken covenants and promises and... Um, just uh, just a deep, deep well of human sorrow and suffering that uh, all I can do is impotently watch play out from a monitor or my phone. Yeah, it does. It does feel like we're we're kind of helpless, you know, watchers. <laughs> yeah, it's, the, it's a very the, observational role. We're the, um, we're the what if watcher that we we mm-hmm. we want to we want to get involved and, and just fix yeah. everything. But uh, we are. Yeah. And uh, just beg unable. God to reach down and intervene. Right. And it it will be as it will be. Um, but yeah, so my my response has gone from, you know, shock and awe just the thunder of our fury bringing everything to a sudden stop to uh, just grieving Um, the families that have been separated and many forever broken Um, the blood that's been, that's been shed. Um, How many of those people who've lost their lives and never got a chance to hear the gospel. Um, It's, it's, those are the thoughts that are now uh, beginning to dominate my my perspective of the conflict yeah. um, in the days since. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. We'll have we'll have more from Brother Mod here in a little bit as we have a uh, a bigger discussion. But uh, I'm gonna move on to our next speaker here. All right. Uh, our next guest this morning is uh, is our, our friend Tad. Tad, how you doing? Good. Good. A little overwhelmed. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we're all in that. So, so uh, same question to you here. How how did you feel when you first heard the news uh, on Wednesday night? And then how has uh, how have your thoughts changed up to this point here? A few days later, uh, with uh, everything that has happened and everything that is kind of being uh, rumored to be happening or at least uh, threatened. <laughs> all this kind of stuff stuff that we're we're just uh outside watchers on like brother mod said what are your thoughts how did that go for you uh yes so i have a journalist heart um so when when it comes to sudden things like this happening my first thought is no this is not sudden i need context if i don't have context i'm going to react in not the right way so uh, my first reaction was to find out as much as I could about the situation. Why? The, the, big, the big question was why. And then after that point was, um, I was immediately thinking about our brothers and sisters, not only in Ukraine, but in the surrounding areas, because those areas are also... Um, have fragile relations with Russia as well. And so 
when you look at all of that, it's ah, um, it is sudden. And my my thought was, why again during the Olympics, and why again are we pushing the boundaries? Um, and how how can I help? And one of the ways that that I see, and as we look at social media, is I, we as Christians are are called to peacemakers, and so it. And a lot of us have knee jerk reactions, and I truly believe one of my places is uh, to play extinguisher, and and not necessarily a middleman, but to provide somewhere of look let's let's have a broader perspective here and it is not russia as a country it is one person who is giving these orders out there was a hundred thousand russians detained for protesting it is not russia it's one person so um and so when when those things come up and and there's fear of World War Three, I I just feel like I just need to step in. I just I need to play uh, defender, but not like to be defensive, but to uh, to um, extinguish fear, to be a, a, someone who can bring peace not only to our our people here, but to bring peace and support to our brothers and sisters because yes i can't be over in ukraine but god is so and he's he's my lineman (laughs) so (laughs) yeah i mean you you touch on something that is very important to remember is that we can't we can't lump all of russia into this as being just you know an aggressor because uh you're very right uh the the people in Russia have been protesting this move uh, strongly, strongly, huge, huge numbers, despite the fact that they know they're going to get arrested, that likely more is going to happen to this. Some of them might even be killed. Like the the response that we've seen to these protesters is 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 far worse than than most things we'd ever see here to protesters. You know, it's it's uh, it's not a it's not something that's allowed in in Russia, pretty much. And so the fact that they're willing to put their livelihoods and in some cases even their lives on the line just to stand up and say, no, this is wrong, we shouldn't be doing this, that, that speaks major volumes of, uh, about the people in Russia. And yes. Yeah, that's, that's something that we can't forget. It's It's easy to just look at Russia as a whole as the aggressor, but... You know, and that real people uh, there. We uh, we here are not truly helpless um, because we have a gigantic community as as Christians. We have a whole family and a body that um, extend as far as the east from the west. Mm-hmm. So when we look at that, it's who who are we reaching out to to support and to bear with during this as well. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Tad. Uh, we will move on now to our, our third, 
our third guest, um, which is uh, our friend Thray. Thray, how are you this evening? Slash morning. As well as can be. Depending on whoever's (laughs) listening to when and where. Um, So same question to you then, Thray. Um, How did you feel when uh, this news first broke? And uh, how have your thoughts and and, uh, reactions changed in the last few days? On Wednesday, the news felt inevitable. Saber-rattling had come to blows in a way that the world has been preparing for months and years even at the quote-unquote border skirmishes. Which, by the way, Matt, I do have to thank you for pointing me to the pour-over. That has been a wonderful resource uh, for watching this development. Highly recommend if you guys haven't started uh, using that. That's a good summary that keeps you away from the emotional extras um, that comes with the news some days and keeps things in line. Mm -hmm. Um, But now the world has kind of set back and we watch the world chess game play out. Uh, The following days uh, felt like watching the exchanges in the center of a chessboard that sanctions come in, China counters, uh, keeping the world's economy economy secure for Russia, um, except for, of course, the impact on uh, oil prices. My own emotions are cycling almost like the stages of grief. Uh, You know, you go through stages of numbness, through sadness, through anger, through shock, and then something that's almost dangerously like acceptance to everything going on. Um, But I feel no personal danger. Um, I fear for the loss of life that is going on in, in locations that I have dear friends and old uh, classmates and my, my emotions continue to cycle. I can tell you even today I've, I've gone through this, uh, like at least three different stages of emotion because that's just part of it. We're, we're bleeding all over for this situation and we do ultimately have to go talk to God about it, but I understand we'll talk more about that later. Uh, it's, it's a process and it's not done yet. So that's, that's where I'm kind of at right now. I'm not knowing what to say here, what to wait till next section. Sure. Well, we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and, and stop here for this section then, and we will get into the next one here in just a bit. Stick around for that. And uh, we'll be back. Thank you, Thray. Hey, everyone. I'm Hector Mirai, and this is Faith and Fandom 180 on LTN Radio. So this weekend, my kids and I decided to go spend a quality usage of popcorn and watch Uncharted. Now, being that I am a a long-term Xbox guy, and I've never actually owned a PlayStation, um, I've not played the Uncharted games. And minus the really cool little YouTube short with Nathan Fillion playing Drake, uh, 
I don't have a lot to go on. I know there's like a gun holster and uh, it's kind of a burly man Tomb Raider, but that's all I got. So when I walked into this movie, I had zero expectations, zero understanding, zero, zero anything to really uh, compare it to. And whatever I got out of that movie was what I was going to take away about who Nathan Drake was and Sully and all the rest of it. Like, literally, that was going to be my only representation because I still don't see me owning a PlayStation. Um, Not that I don't want to because I'd love to play Uncharted and The Last of Us and God of War and, uh, you know, Ghost of Tsushima. Or, yeah, I'd like to do all those things, but I'm just not dropping dollars on it um but when we have something as a representative it becomes our only source of understanding really until we have an opportunity to learn more so that was my representative that was my ambassador into the world of uncharted and i know we live in an age where everybody and their mama knows about jesus but we are still christ's ambassadors 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Just like Tom Holland literally gave me my first real exposure to Nathan Drake, um, you might be someone's first real exposure to Jesus beyond just hearing about Jesus. And you want people to be able to walk away from that experience at least encouraged or curious and not put off remember to catch faith and fandom 180 every wednesday morning on the back row morning show only on ltn radio and if you'd like to learn more about faith and fandom head over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our comic-con ministry podcasts memes apparel and book series you can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show, where we are talking about the Russia and Ukraine situation today with a few of our friends from our Discord. Okay, so for this uh, this next segment here, I've got all all three of uh, our our guests joining us and they're all open mic'd right now so we have brother mod tad and thray uh back with us for this segment and uh, this is going to be a little bit more of a, a free-for-all kind of discussion we're gonna talk about a few different things and uh see how we feel about them what we think uh might happen in the future and uh how we can respond uh, it's, you know, it, one of the things that I want to make clear is, uh, you know, we know that, uh, us just doing a podcast and talking about this stuff isn't really doing anything to help. Uh, and that's not necessarily what this, uh, exists for. Um, we we, we know that we're not the victims here too. You know, that's not something that we want to play up as, as, you know, we're, fragile people who can't take you know bad news or anything this is more of a a an opportunity to have the discussions that we've all kind of been thinking to ourselves and uh, ultimately get to a place where uh, we know what to pray for how to pray 
and uh, things that we can look to help kind of better the the communities around us as pretty much all of us i feel like in in uh, america and around the world are uh, on edge over this because this is something that could have major worldwide devastating implications and uh, that's brought all the more home with a, a a set of articles that has come out based on something that um president uh Putin said uh, Sunday, which was uh, he he addressed. Let's see. This article says that he addressed the defense minister's meeting in Russia, <clears throat> saying that Western countries are not only taking unfriendly actions against our country in the economic sphere uh, with those sanctions that everyone is well aware of, but the top officials of leading NATO countries also make aggressive statements against our country. And therefore, uh, it's been reported that he has put his nuclear forces on high alert. Uh, but at the same time, in the same article, uh, it says President Zelensky of Ukraine has agreed to peace talks. So in this same article, we get a little bit of hope and a little bit of fear uh, of which way this can go. Because ultimately, it has to go one of those two ways. We're not going to be stuck in this position that we're in right now indefinitely. Eventually, either a peace will have to be reached or things are going to escalate. And uh, once nukes are introduced into the, into the equation, no matter where they're aimed, that activates NATO, that activates Article 5, that's World War Three. How are y'all feeling about that? <laughs> Uh, yes and no. Um, yes, new, uh, of course, nuclear weapons are going to be threatened and, um, are, are always on, on the burner constantly and they, they have not come off the burner. And with that, uh, it... Is President Putin the right person to push the the button type of thing? Um, and is World War Three really at our, our doorsteps? And with how carefully countries are responding and even how how other countries that we see as um, other world powers that are ideologically uh, opposed have responded have been very careful and so as we continue to maneuver and um see countries respond it's it's hard to see world war three on uh, even with the current news um even when this started i saw that okay this is not world war three material this is devastating and not not justified not right in any case but thankfully countries are responding even yeah i i was proud of how us has responded as well it's not a knee jerk reaction um we've provided support in any way we can and we haven't tried to be in the middle right right up 
as it felt like we had to, you know, in, in our history type yeah. of thing. So how countries are carefully um, going o- around this situation and providing support in any way they can carefully is is a very important thing we have to, to focus on. Yeah. Um, so thank- I, I, I'm sorry, Matt. I, um, so, yeah, just let me get this bit out. Um I, I will say, and you know, not, we we we're try we try to keep things on this show like apolitical. We don't try and go, you know, too left or too right. But uh, I will I will say that even if you know, not everybody in America would agree with this, but I do think that President Biden and, and our current administration is is handling the situation in a probably as best as as anybody possibly could, uh, at least currently, um, and. I'm grateful for that. It seems like careful attention is being paid to what we can and cannot do and what we should and should not do. Um, and that's that's relieved a little bit of tension when it comes to, like, the thoughts of World War III and things of that nature. Yes, and I, I truly believe when we look at, like, the world stage, we, we have to put our... Uh, political if we play a political side off to the side because it's not necessarily about one side or the other it's it's about our our well-being as as a world when we look at these things correct so i'm sorry three what were you going to say i was just say i was just thinking we talk about the world powers being careful with one another i'm also thinking about needing to be careful just as we speak today um what do I think will have would happen? Not World War Three, um, at least unless those marshaled st- soldiers uh, at Poland's border uh, do something unexpected. Yeah. Um, and as it is, that looks very pageantry right now. Um, it it's a chess game, and we don't know the chess masters. Who are behind closed doors having conversations that are not going to make the New York Times. Um, And probably will never know for another 10 years what actually is going down right now. Hmm. In many, many ways, which is no comfort to those in the middle of the situation. But it's the reality. Uh, Plus, historically, where we are as a country, uh, we... We do not have a history of speed in these things. And I grew up on the, on the repeated uh, statements of teachers that, uh, that we were growing up in the world and not needing to be Superman to everyone, uh, for right or wrong. That is the shift, which, I mean, it's true. But it's releasing control, which is something that we as Christians know we have trouble doing, whether it be as a country over the actions of other countries or as individual beings over the sinful behaviors of other sinful beings. So, yeah. (laughs) Brother Maud, what are your thoughts here? Um, I mean, by and large, uh, I think 
being on the brink of World War Three is not entirely unlikely. Um, there is a part of me, though, that when uh, that article, when I first saw news of that article um, with the uh, escalated defense response and, and readiness measures that uh, President Putin had um, ordered to the defense minister and, and their troops. Mm-hmm. Um, part of me thought, well, if it, I mean, if it is World War Three, let's let's just get revelation going already. <laughs> let's let's just get it done. See a, a light at the end of the and, tunnel. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not. Thing is, uh, go ahead. The I'm, thing I'm... is, is that we know the situation is already one that has taken years to develop into where it's at. And so there is no push for impatience. It's a testing. It's 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 a slow game. Yeah. Sadly, and, there are lives involved. Yeah. That's the, and, that's the worst part. And it's not just, um, you know, President Putin playing the game, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, China has got to be, has got to have one eye just fixed on Taiwan yeah. through all of this, right? Like, just see how this plays out. And then maybe, maybe see what, what China is free to do. Um, see how, how far words can actually go. And this is the testing of that. This is the testing of all these systems and relationships and treaties and covenants uh, that we have made uh, as, as, a, as a people of the planet. And all these various nations, uh, they're, being, they're being tested. Um, and time will time will tell how how firm they hold. And I do know that um, President Putin, I believe, it was in 2017, uh, had put together a um, essay of sorts discussing how uh, how the fall of the Soviet Union, you know, was was a mistake that should have been safeguarded against, and how he personally desires to see a return to you know, the strength that they had uh, when the USSR was still a thing. And that that would require, I'm, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure every other one of those break-off nations uh, from Russia during that time is a member of NATO. Like, it's essentially just Ukraine that's not. And so if he are if he is to desire to move into another uh, one of these countries. Uh, God forbid that he actually accomplishes what he's trying to do with Ukraine. Right. Then that's a yeah, whole different ball game. Yeah. Where does it stop? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, tr- that, that, that would tr- trigger uh, article five immediately. You know, that's, we, we would have no choice, but well, to enter the other, into the... Well, the other thing is, Putin has many accomplishments under his belt. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, 
he he is not the man he he has become with without uh some background yeah um and and he's also shown that he delays quite well he's willing to do things slowly and so well, I mean, of course, this he is, is the he's, situation he's right now, and you just, for life. you just read. Yeah, <laughs> he's you, got all you, the time you, in the world. Yeah, really. <laughs> but, um, but you you see that he's been working on the Ukraine situation for a while. Yeah, and even in that article that you just read. Um, the president of Ukraine is working to talk on peace while uh, while uh, President Putin has uh, mentioned uh, anti-nuke defenses. Um, and so if if he were to go forth with the idea that you have read about, um, I don't think it would be next year. I don't think it would be any time recent. But I would be highly suspicious, you know, say four years from now, which seems to be a theme. Mm. When another Olympic starts? <laughs> when his popularity is at its peak is whenever Russia does well with the Olympics. So that seems to be a favorite of his. So I hadn't really... I'm I I I'm, guess I'm behind. I hadn't really made the Olympics co- co- connection yet. Can I bring in some context? Sure, please. Okay, so uh, this is uh, thirty years of of context, but I'm going to really condense it. Uh, you have uh, the Russian Georgian War that happened in two thousand. Oh goodness, I had a list. Hey, you can't start in 2000 and say that it's a 30-year history. The, I Yes. Uh, I understand That's that. That's just not going to work. That's not no. how math works. I know. I understand that. I'm skipping a third of it, and I apologize. Okay. Basically, that's where the secession of the countries and the, the collapse of the USSR happened in mm. the 90s. Right. So, which Ukraine was the very last country to do so in 96. Uh in that time, between those points, uh, there was always tension between Armenia and Russia and uh, Latvia and Russia as well, and trying to gain those those areas back. Now we fast forward 2008, we have the Olympics. Uh, we also have the Russian-Georgian War that lasted 12 days, and then... Uh, a ban was put on to Russian athletes for the 2014 Olympics to happen. 2014 happens. We have the Crimea uh, Crimea crisis and the um, annexed power uh, that the illegal annex that Russian has placed into Crimea, and then we have the Lonks. And apologies in not pronouncing this right, but we have the Lunks, and I can't remember the other name. I apologize. But we have that tension as well that happens in 20, oh my goodness, 18, uh, where 
Um, we have separatists that w are pro-Russian happen on the border of of Ukraine, and you have the Lonks separatists in in that region that happen. So we have this whole thirty years of of tension and constant uh, back and forth between Ukraine and Russia. So with that, here we see. And if you look at where Russia has put their forces and are pressuring, they are pressuring from Crimea and they're pressuring from Longst, yeah. which is um, the western outside section of Ukraine. Okay. Thank you for that history. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, used, he used several location differences, but basically um, Russia would would have... Uh, you know, do the pageantry of the Olympics, and then we would go to cut to quote unquote border skirmishes mm. um, yeah. almost within two years of each other back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, and it's that one favored border. Um, only this and, time things are a little bit more extreme. Yeah, and I apologize. I said Western, I mean Eastern border. Gotcha. Depends on whether you're in Ukraine or in uh, Russia. Good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Eastern Ukrainian border, because we're focused on Ukraine at the moment. So thank you. Um, so, John, you just, uh, or Brother Mod, you just uh, sent me. I did. Uh, this tweet that uh, shows, or the set of tweets that showed that it was requested uh Elon Musk was requested in a tweet to move some Starlink stations mm -hmm. uh, to basically get internet service to Ukraine, and that uh, Elon actually had this accomplished within 10 hours. Yes. Do, do, do you want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So the uh, the discussion about how this has been brewing, and it's a game of patience, and in time um recalled this to my mind in that um yes many people are playing a very long game uh in in what's unfolding but i think it is incredible uh that the uh the vice prime minister of ukraine that's who this is okay is was able to send a singular tweet to Elon Musk to reposition Starlink and in 10 hours it was done and this is um, and Mikhailo Fedorov Fedorov yes yeah. and it it blows my mind that um things tend to move so cumbersomely and slowly a lot of the time yeah um, like that's just the nature of bureaucracy and for as much as social media and the internet, I think have had a negative impact on society. Mm. Then there's this. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, there is a need and it was met in 10 hours. And I don't know. I was really encouraged by it. Yeah. And 
and just wanted to share. That's the power of the internet. <laughs> well, let's also talk about how uh, in this particular uh, in this particular situation, how much cyber is a huge piece of this. Mm. Um, I mean, there was that that initial cyber attack that knocked out a good port of the Ukraine just as everything was getting started. Um, and even right now, information pops up for five, ten minutes. I saw something that was only up for an hour, and then it's yanked. Um, and it's it's a warfare of the internet, even yeah. as information comes flooding in from all sides. And yeah, and much of it you... isn't filtered. And how do you figure out which is true and which isn't? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I talked about that I'm a little so... in the opening segment about how it's there's a there's a lot of like videos and pictures and whatever that are from completely different things, even video games that are being presented as you know mm-hmm. on the ground reporting kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, little bit difficult to parse through all of that. I'm mm-hmm. surprised how much information you can get from Snapchat and TikTok from <laughs> uh, personal accounts mm. and them just recording what's what's happening uh, in their area type of thing. Uh, my friend was showing me today. He's like, yeah, look. And he zooms into Ukraine and clicks on Kiev. And um, we're looking through videos of people just recording uh, what's what's happening in the state of their city and the bunkers and and stuff like that and i was just i was dumbfounded of wow this is real we have this extra step of realism because we have these personal accounts happening in real time yeah i've also been glued to like cctv videos this these whole last few days any y'all in that boat with me uh yeah i was uh, after you said something about it, I, I went on and immediately tried to find whatever CCTV I could and just, yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, I've had them on. And for the most part, they're pretty quiet um, because most of the fighting is, is outside of the cities. Um, but occasionally, occasionally there will be bouts of you're hearing just all the shelling happening in the background. And uh, there was a... I think it was Thursday night. There was a uh, camera in in Kiev, Kiev, whatever, however we pronounce it correctly. I've heard Kiev and Kiev and and a mixture of the both. But anyway, fortunately, until we can roll ours and such, we're doomed. It's just <laughs> not going to happen. Um, so I, this was in the I think the, the heart of the city there, uh, and it was late at night for them, and. It was every few seconds you're just hearing. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I was getting sick listening to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was another one where uh, you started hearing just like women screaming at the top of their lungs far off in the distance. And, you know, this this kind of stuff is is chilling because you know it's you know this is real you know this is actually happening this is not a movie this Mm -hmm. is not a video game you are hearing people dying and fighting and uh lives ending in the distance in real time 
And that's a sobering, gut-wrenching thing. And to, I mean, of course, stuff like this is actually happening nonstop all over the world. Maybe not as on a grand a scale, but it's it's these kind of things that kind of bring you back down to reality of uh, things that are happening outside your personal bubble and how little you let yourself think about it. And I don't know if that's uh, always a bad thing or always a good thing, but I do know that it's it's a it's a hard thing to accept that all this kind of stuff is happening. Um, nor do I really know what I mean by all this. I'm just kind of word vomiting, but it's just no, it's, it's, a, okay. it's a painful thing to to just hear. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone knowing that you're like I, I can't imagine what it feels like to be, you know, in one of those safety bunkers, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, you know, in the, in the subways, I think is one of the places that they're, they're, mm-hmm. uh, hold up in for days and days and days, not knowing what's going to happen, not knowing if they're going to get into the city. And if they do, what happens then? Like, this is just, a. I had a conversation with a woman this morning, um, she was talking about how the price of gas went up 40, 40 cents. And I went, well, how thankful we must be to have gasoline available and that we can access it without fear for our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, there are these little things that we find to gripe about that ultimately get put in perspective a little bit. Or hopefully they do, at least. At least that's where I'm at. Um, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I, and... could, I could care less about uh, <laughs> a lot of the trivial stuff that I, you know, complained to my wife about, about, you know, politics or whatever else this week. Because mm-hmm. it has really, really put me back into like, okay, some of this stuff isn't really important. I'm just finding things to complain about because I haven't complained in a while. (laughs) (laughs) And this really puts our, our compassion in our face. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. How, how do we respond? Yes. It, it, it is gut wrenching. It is horrific. It is real. How do we respond? Well, I say it's, we get on our knees, we pray, Yeah. yeah. Uh, we start with our own fears and explore why those are there. Then uh, we pray for those in the middle of injustice, that they may have justice. We pray for those who are, whose hearts are hard, that the Lord may do a miracle and that we then in turn will respond with mercy. Uh we pray for leaders that they will walk humbly and in wisdom. We pray for the broken world that needs him more and more every day. Uh, but our God is the God of Elijah, who reveals a supernatural army around his beloved, and the God of Jeremiah, who promised to be with him and the Israelites in exile. Uh, <laughs> God knows what's ahead for each person, each world power, each Ukrainian, each mm-hmm. Russian, each one each of Babylon. us. Each Babylon. Exactly. 
and he declares that he made them good and they choose where they will go but it breaks his heart to see them wherever they stray so when we don't have the power we turn to the one who does and that's that's all we can do uh, absolutely that's that's definitely step number one for sure and one we need to continually be doing <clears throat> and we also can't let it um shake our faith or trust in god's sovereignty sure um, yes i mean he, the heart of the king is in his hands and he directs it like water down a water course um and it's easy to think of all the positive and probably more comfortable to think of the positive examples of uh people whom God has used throughout uh history and scripture uh to advance the kingdom um but he used Pharaoh too mhm and that that hasn't changed. Absolutely. And then we look at how God is moving. Uh, we got a report in our church. We're connected with a international um, group. Um, we have a BCM Ministries and then uh, Ministers Fellowship International. And both of them have been responding to the, the situation. And we have brothers and sisters that are uh, packing up vans and, and trucks and going across the border on back roads to provide relief to those who are still in these areas. And then we have brothers and sisters ready at places of, of ref, uh, refuge with supplies and what whatever need is being uh, provided and is called for. And so they they need our, our help as well. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, there are going to be opportunities. <clears throat> right now, I know it's uh, a bit difficult. There are going to be opportunities to give financially, to help out, to give to uh, relief efforts and things of that nature. Um, it's difficult to find right now because right now the uh, the banking systems in that whole area are a little bit wonky uh, i've seen some places you know encouraging people to give bitcoin through certain things and uh, that might be that's, that that's might, a little bit sus right that might be uh <laughs> it might it. just it might just be that i'm old but it just i don't trust it yet so um <laughs> but uh be on the lookout for those kind of things coming up in the in the next uh, few weeks because i'm sure especially um you know, missions groups and things are going to be uh, trying to set up ways to to take care of of the harder hit areas uh, in Ukraine uh, as soon as they're able, as soon as it's safe. All honesty, if folks are plugged into any church community, most denominations have people on the ground there already. Mm. They just need to contact their local church in order to find out how to get that direct there because i know multiple denominations have been working on getting those relief uh efforts through 
because we did have some warning and there was some setup available. Um, it's just a matter of doing our part. Good. Well, uh, we are we are a little bit past an hour now at this point on the show. So, um, is there any any final thing that uh, you'd like to to let the people know before we uh, head off? And uh, we'll just go ahead and go in the order that we started with. Brother Ma, is there any last thing you'd like to say? Any last words to share? Uh, just that uh, God was not surprised by these events. Um, that he has not changed since hmm. they started. Um, that he cares uh, deeply for each man, woman, and child who is caught up in the midst of it. Uh, just as he cares for you and me and each individual listener. Um, and in the midst of all the fury and chaos and confusion and uncertainty and violence, um, there's no better place to run than to him. Thank you, Brother Mod. Tad, what are your final thoughts here? Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.2 For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought that make it obedient to Christ. Fantastic. Thank you, sir. And uh, Thray, why don't you round us out here? How do you follow up with scripture? Um, <laughs> I, and in the midst of all this, I was challenged by a post by Philip Yancey, um, which quoted a poem. I know that's two jumps down the lane here, but <laughs> qu quoted a poem by Anne Weems that is titled... I no longer pray for peace. I pray for miracles. I pray that stone hearts will turn to tender heartedness and evil intentions will turn to mercifulness. And all the soldiers already deployed will be snatched out of harm's way and the whole world will be astounded on its knees. I pray that all the God talk will take bones and stand up and shed the cloak of faithlessness and walk in powerful truth. I pray that the whole world might sit together and share bread and wine. Some will say there is no hope, but I always applauded the holy fools who never seemed to give up on the scandalousness of our faith. <laughs> we are loved by God and we truly love one another. So we may no longer pray for peace in our comfort, but I pray for miracles. I love you guys. Thank y'all so much for being a part of this show and uh, being willing to to take the time out of your Sunday to uh, join me uh, for this discussion. Uh, and uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this segment, and I will be back uh, in just a moment for uh, one final thought before we uh, end the show for today. <music> Thank you.
This Week in Nerd History in Living Color. Nerd History. Although it may be hard to believe, development of the color television goes back as far as the development of the black and white television. In fact, the world's first color transmission occurred in 1928, and the world's first color broadcast occurred 10 years later. However, it would not be until nearly two decades later that color television technology advanced enough to be introduced to the general public. On February 28, 1954, the first color TV sets using the National Television Systems Committee standard were produced and sold to the public. Prior to developing the NTSC standard, broadcasting color television was not feasible because it consumed three times as much bandwidth as black and white broadcasts. The NTSC approved a system by RCA to solve this problem. RCA's all-electronic system encoded color information based on the brightness information, which was the key they were looking for. To this day, the NTSC standard is considered one of the most monumentous technical achievements in television history. During the 1950s, color television and broadcasts were slow to gain popularity amongst consumers and networks. The 1960s witnessed a great spike in color television sales, which was largely in part to the color broadcasting transition of 1965. By the 1970s, color televisions were the standard and could be found in homes nationwide. I know we all enjoyed those black and white episodes of WandaVision, but thanks to RCA not giving up on a consumer-ready color TV, they paved the way for the 4K vibrant color flat screens we have now. I'm Radio Matt. See you next time for more Nerd History. Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show as uh, we're kind of wrapping up the show for today. We've had some really good discussion. Honestly, I feel, feel a good bit better about the situation after uh, talking with those fantastic folks that joined us this morning from the Discord. Of course, there is a lot coming, uh, a lot that that could potentially come. Let's uh, pray and hope for peace to uh, prevail in this situation. Let's hope that these uh, peace talks are uh, successful, or at least optimistic. Uh, Let's hope that the current situations that are playing out right now in the Ukraine can de-escalate until those peace talks happen. And uh, ultimately, let's let's pray that the conflict stops here. When it comes to here at home in America, uh, I want to encourage you guys to not buy into the political spin from either the right or the left. Let's quit pretending like any of us are on Putin's side. Yes, there's going to be a couple people that are crazy and convince themselves on both sides of the aisle that Putin is right in this situation. But there's there's no no real person uh, who understands what's going on on the right or the left that is supporting Russia in this. Uh, I mean, the the right in America has been the party of you know, liberation and independence for our own country, for Taiwan, for Tibet, for Israel. Why would we suddenly say now Ukraine is where we draw the line? Uh, I know a lot of this is coming from the supposed relationship that Donald Trump had with Putin. Uh, they had a diplomatic relationship. And uh, when you're diplomatic, you're complimentary to each other. That doesn't mean that they were best friends and it's certainly come out in the press, even still today, that 
there has been zero link found between Trump and Russia uh, to the point so much so that they try to fabricate this kind of link uh, in order to smear Trump's name. And again, I'm not a huge Trump supporter, but I am a supporter of the truth. And that's just the truth. And likewise, people on the right need to stop claiming that people on the left are excited about this war because uh, wartime presidents are often uh, reelected for their second term or that it's going to make President Biden look strong. Like nobody wants war. Nobody's excited about war. Nobody wants a World War III to happen or anything of that nature, aside from the few crazies on the fringes of both sides. So let's just rein all that in, step back, look at the bigger picture, and realize that this is one of those moments where we should all be coming together. And I know that's harder and harder to do every day here in America, but let's prove to ourselves that there are still some things that we can be united on. Pray for Ukraine. Pray for the people of Russia who are standing against this war. Pray for peace to conquer. Pray for God to bring miracles and to save souls in this moment. Support when you can, how you can. And uh, we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on this as it moves forward. And we'll probably comment on it from time to time if it continues on with the morning show. But as for this special show, focusing entirely on this conflict, uh, that's, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Backroom Morning Show. Like I said at the top of the show, this is going to be the only episode of the morning show, only new episode of the morning show for this week. So if you're listening to us on LTN Radio, these next three days, we're going to have some reruns of some classic episodes, and then there should be a new Church Nerds on Friday. We also had already planned to take the following week off from new shows because Mo's going to be out of town. Um, so... Go ahead and, and continue to follow us on our podcast by searching The Back Row Morning Show on all your favorite podcast apps, and uh, you can listen to older episodes that you might have missed, and we will also be putting together a special rewind uh, episode for next week. Check out lovethynerd.com. It is positively jam-packed with articles, podcasts, and videos that cover a wide range of nerdy topics. And just like any ministry, we are largely supported by those willing to partner with us financially. As one of the newest staff members of LTN and a nerd culture missionary, I'm looking to build my support team to help this radio station grow and to help my family financially as I pour more focus into all I get to do for Love Thy Nerd. So for more information, visit lovethynerd.com slash radiomat. Love Thy Nerd is a qualifying 501c3 nonprofit organization, and your gift is tax deductible. Make sure you're following us on all the socials at The Back Row LTN. Once again, I'm Radio Matt, and for Mo, remember, if nobody else tells you, we promise it's true. Jesus loves you, nerd. Nerd.